Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Divided Films, the podcast where we talk about movies that audiences and critics do not agree on. With me, as always, is my co-host, Keith. Hello! He said for the last time, maybe? I don't know. Uh, Uh, (laughs) uh, We've been uh, doing this for a few years now, Keith, and... You know, we have maybe some other ideas we want to explore in the future. So I, we, to the viewers out there, this is going to be um, a two-part finale to the Divided Films <laughs> saga, as it were. Um, but it's been a lot of fun doing this with you, Keith, and with all the oh, people yeah. who've, who've joined us over all the different episodes, our recurring guests. And, um, and yeah, and actually, at the end of this two-parter, I will reveal, I took a tally of all the times we side with audiences and all the times we side with critics. And so I will save that for the end to see, you know, who ultimately we side with more often. So unless people were, you know, you could have easily counted that on your own accord, but I doubt anyone did. So, you know, little, uh, little piece of suspense for you there to keep you hanging. It's been a fun ride. If you had to guess, I'm curious, Keith, if you had to guess, just give me like, what, who do you think we side with more often? And by like, what ratio would you think? Okay. Uh, having Being the one who edits the episode, I didn't do a tally, a recent tally, but I could probably bet that we sided with the critics. And you don't have to spoil it or reveal anything. Your face says nothing right now. Hmm. But I think we probably sided with the critics because I do remember going like, oh, yeah, uh, like maybe we got like three critics in a row. But I don't – I think it's close. I do think it's closer than I think. Like it's it's not a wide margin, I'll tell you that. But I okay. I I will be I'll be with the audience on this, and uh, mm-hmm. I'm kind of yeah. I'm kind of curious actually. <laughs> I have all the information; it's all mine to know and you to find out. So we'll reveal that later. Uh, but for this two-parter, you know, we were thinking like how we're going to wrap this up, and you know, I was going through all the movies I've compiled over the years that we might discuss eventually, and it occurred to both of us that there are actually uh, like categories of movies that tend to be divided. So we thought it'd be good to talk about divided trends. And, you know, some of these are types of movies we've discussed before, but now let's dig in to say, to see like why exactly these kinds of movies tend to be divided. So, you know, we'll start with the first category just to give you an idea. And that is the category of film adaptations of stage musicals so you know in the past you know we talked about rent that was one that was divided but you know there's a bunch of other ones that are divided and so the ones we're going to talk about for today are the phantom of the opera and into the woods so we'll start with the phantom of the opera this is a movie that is rotten with the critics Fresh with the audiences, a 33% with critics, 84% with audiences, 51% difference there, and the critics' consensus. The music of the night has hit something of a sour note. Critics are calling the screen adaptation of Andrew Lloyd Webber's popular musical histrionic, boring, and lacking in both romance and danger. Still, some have praised the film for its sheer spectacle. Quite a long consensus there, but there it is spectacle and not much else going on so keith you know you texted me after you watched it that it was a bit torturous for you to watch this phantom of the opera movie but you know tell me why why was it so hard for you this movie was fucking torture i would not wish this movie on my worst enemy i don't Ah. know it's not like and this isn't an indictment on uh the play itself because i i have seen the play and it is a like i think what the movie my only positive thing is like, oh, if you like certain songs, I think they did like masquerade really well. But uh, to Joel Schumacher's like R.I.P. He's a I I do love him as a director, but he is not cut out for uh, musicals. And I, mean, I guess not every director is, but it's just like the scene. It just it just dragged. It just yep. dragged. They're like fifth. They're they're like hanging out in the beginning in that that opening stage twenty minutes. And I know like there's songs and stuff, but it just 
it's just oh my god well that's kind of how it is in the stage version is that you know they're they're basically establishing the setting and you're getting into this world of this 1870 opera house in in paris and basically i mean my thing with this movie is that it is a very literal interpretation yes. of the stage version it doesn't really deviate at all or add much at all to me it seems more just like a way to make fandom more accessible so people can own it at home and watch it whenever they want they don't have to go to the to broadway anytime they want to watch fandom of the opera in fact i think andrew Lloyd weber described this movie as a record of the stage version yeah you know, just something so you can have it at home and so in that aspect if that was the goal i do find that a bit uninspired you know they do kind of add a few things here and there there's like a little more backstory to the phantom there's that ending sequence with the grave of christine and the flower they do add a little bit but really not enough to justify making this into a musical artistically it obviously there's financial reasons to do so it's a huge hit and everyone is aware of the fan of the opera so of course it made a lot of money and would probably be you know it probably did well uh for like dvd sales but you know in terms of are there any surprises in this movie is there anything that would uh have a different take on andrew andrew lloyd weber's fan of the opera no it's exactly what you expect and if you want that fine and i think this is getting a positive score because i think a lot of audiences do just want that they do just want what the stage version does that they can watch on their home screen basically i think this kind of falls because my mind went to fascinating places when watching this because i'm just like i was literally screaming internally i will say emmy rossum and pre 300 gerard butler I, th I thought they did fantastic jobs. It was delightful to see a very young Patrick Wilson. I was like, oh, yeah. my God. But I think this movie suffers from, uh, A, this movie suffers from what I thought uh, Rent suffered from. And also, like, I watched uh, Dear Evan Hansen on HBO a couple of weeks ago. And I think it suffered from that, too. It's just... I'm not asking every director to be John Chu with like in the Heights, and I'm sure he's going to do a fantastic job with Wicked. And I and I now think, because of this movie, splitting Wicked into two parts is probably the best thing because this was two and a half hours of dull. It just it it's just not visually the the songs that are supposed to be visually stunning and a spectacle like Masquerade and. I like I don't know I I'm trying to I can't really remember the name of the songs right now but it well like Masquerade for example it's not much different than what it is on stage it's people at a ball and it's all in one place and you know it's it's like the it looks like about the same amount of people you would see in the stage version they didn't really up the scale for a song like that and they didn't really take you to any other kinds of places it's like you know just a more realized location than you would normally see on the stage version where you have to use more of your imagination. It's just, you know, it's, it's a shame because you, know, you probably, there are probably a lot of people who would bring a more interesting take and flesh out this world a little more interestingly. Uh, but, you know, instead we kind of just get the same. And I, I think that it's serviceable, you know, and that's not really the best thing you could say about a movie, but if it seemed like they accomplished their goal, of what they wanted to do. And I think people, there are people who really do love watching this uh, just because they are swept away by the romance and everything. It's, I mean, the romantic scenes are done in a very cliched way as well, like in terms of how they're shot and, you know, the cadence of it all seems very familiar. Uh, you're being very nice because I, I would say the next movie that you picked was serviceable. I, uh, and I'm not really that hardcore into, into the woods. At, like, I'm, or I'm not like other theater people in my life are so into it. And I'm just like, it's good. But this movie was just, it, it just like, I, I like, I, I can't imagine this 84% rewatching this movie. Unless like, if you're, if you love Phantom of the Opera, uh, like there are better, um, you could listen to the Broadway version of it, but this just brings out everything that the worst that Broadway 
to Hollywood has to offer. And I that is a really bad that is like I know I'm being mean and I'm not trying to be mean, but this like Well, it's it's safe. It's very very safe. And because it was safe, it just ended up being awful. Like I can't I I have to even pro- I would probably give this a low lower score than the critics. And just how I felt just what it was trying to convey and and is and it, the saving grace is the performances for me. Yeah. I mean, you know, what do you think about the music though? Because I feel like this is one of those cases where if you love the musical, you're more likely to like the movie. And you know, if if maybe there I mean there's certainly Phantom and Andrew Lloyd Webber in general with his work has detractors. I think there are people who really dislike fan of the opera as well and so they probably poo-poo on this but then you have people in the middle and this is where i'm thinking that this this category of films the stage musical adaptation into film is kind of a dicey thing to do and why it's so divided because you kind of have this middle ground of audiences who aren't the biggest musical theater fans but they're not really haters either so it's like hard to make it something universal for everybody it's been a while since I've like jumped into the fan of the opera world. It's or since I like saw it in actual in an actual theater. So, but when those songs that I knew or kind of remembered came back, I was involved. Like I was. It's really not the song portion of this movie that I'm harping on. Because uh, luckily, I think Joel Schumacher not doing anything really creative. Like a lot of the songs. Are, they're just singing towards each other. They're expressing their love. They're expressing their emotions. All you need to do is simple shots. Uh, it's it's just like uh, well, I'll say this yeah. too. I think that you mentioned the performances as a saving grace. I agree because the advantage that the that the film would have over the stage musical is to be maybe more intimate and to maybe show more emotion in the characters because the stage version is very much acted like it is an opera because it's like it's considered an operetta, I yeah. suppose. But you don't really have like much of a range of emotions from the characters as they're singing or singing acting. It's very much like everything's at a 10. In moments of heartbreak, sadness, of triumph, uh, you know, whatever your emotion is, you're singing it kind of in the same way in the stage version. Uh, because that's the style. But then in this movie, I think the actors do bring maybe a little more emotional nuance, at least the kind you need in a movie, because you can see them much closer than you would if you're watching it on stage. So I think the actors do want do try to bring that into it. And that's, so that is an improvement, but that's probably the only thing about that being... That's the only thing about this being a film version that they take advantage of. It's right? hard. Because everything... I'll admit, it's, I'll admit, like doing a musical is like i said to myself uh i have newfound respect to the director of high school musical like to do a musical is like it may it doesn't it's not easy it's probably it's very hard like uh and even the good ones like i think even uh, spielberg said like i don't want to do another musical again like it was challenging and i'm like he's in his 70s the uh I I remember watching Dear Evan Hansen and I was going like, okay, this isn't like the best, but it's not like a 30 something that it got on Rotten Tomatoes. I'm like, people, the critics really didn't like this. And I'm, and I'm saying to myself, like, it's just kind of bland. It's milk toast. But what could you do? These kids are in school. Like, I'm not asking, like, the director probably doesn't know or doesn't want to do creative shots and all that. Like you kind of need to tell a simple story around these simple characters. And I guess, you know, I remember, uh, you know, when you're watching a play, you're, you're so focused on the play, but with the movie, you're really experiencing it differently. And it just, I think you're more heightened when you're watching a play and you're not really getting bored by it. Uh, Well, in a play, there's a lot more that the audience can project from their own imagination yeah because obviously a stage can't you can't see an entire space on a stage and you can um, fill in the blanks yourself very true film and a film that has to be filled in for you and i think also the fact that with phantom it's a period piece and so they really go all out on the costumes and the makeup it's very over the top and i think it's also easy for audiences to get swept away 
in that sort of setting, you know, 1870s France. It's, you know, it, it, it is something people like yeah. to see from time to time. You know, it's, I give credit too to like the production, everything, because it is done, you know, again, it's always at a 10. Nothing was held back. They really tried to give this very bombastic and overly extravagant production because that is the feel of what the stage version is. Uh, but it's just, you know, everything was in place to do something interesting, but, uh, you know, unfortunately, that's not what happened. Uh, funny enough, I thought, like, the director who... I don't think Joel, Sch- Joel Schumacher was the right choice for this. I think I could see why, and I, I remember reading that Andrew Lloyd Webber liked his use of music in Lost Boys, and I said to myself, I'm like, okay, Lost Boys is... I, I enjoy that movie. I don't think that's a good enough reason to... Like I, I think using use of music and knowing how to shoot a musical are very different things. I think maybe the uh, the director of Chicago, Rob Marshall, like he turned that play could have been a very boring movie, but he, right. how they what they offer uh, the different spin on it. I remember watching it for the first time during the pandemic, going like, "Oh wow, this is." I'm like I'm engaged as if I'm actually seeing a play like and it just you're right this movie didn't have anything to offer. Chicago is doing a different kind of adaptation of a film musical right with the intercutting of you know dance sequences with with actual scenes you know that was not something you really saw as much in film musical adaptations and then you mentioned Spielberg I mean I was really surprised how much I loved his West Side Story because I am a fan of the original film version but uh, you know, it just, you have to be putting in so much thought into every sequence. You know, it really can be not just physically exhausting, but mentally exhausting. You yeah. Know, you just had to keep coming up with so many different ideas to keep people engaged. Because uh, you can easily maybe like, you know, peak in the beginning and then not really have much for the rest. You know, you have to keep everything as equally engaging. So, you know, it is it is a challenge. I... um but for, for this, I feel like I'm a little lenient on this Phantom of the Opera movie. I don't know why. I just – because I know maybe a lot of people who like it, uh, family, some friends. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I sound like a bad guy, but I will still stand by this no, position. I will stand by my position on this. Like I, I In spirit, I definitely agree with your complaints, and it definitely drags. And that's something I would go out of my way to watch. But I can see how it has an audience. So, I mean, I would probably give this, like, I don't know, like a a 50 kind of of middle-of-the-road score, you know. Um, It has something for the people it's aiming towards, but it's too bad it couldn't broaden that for a wider audience. See, I found, Uh, found like, this – I found, like, Twilight more entertaining than this. Like, it's – like, and and I think – and I grant, I gave Twilight, like, two scores. But even, like, the actual score of Twilight, I just found it – to be more entertaining, engaging than this. And I'm happy like all the stars from it have gone on to ama- like Amy Rossum like went on to Shameless. Gerard Butler is now the king of B movies. <laughs> like it's Oh yeah, you know what's funny about that too with Amy Rossum? I find that so funny. She's in this very extravagant period piece and then she goes on to Shameless, which is like the opposite and you know with like this more modern yeah, you know, like she, the the opening sequence of that show is her like on the toilet. You know, it's just like it, it's like the opposite in terms of like the scale and epicness. And then you know she goes like to something. She can sing that though. I've heard she can hit those operatic yeah. high notes. I wasn't sure about Minnie Driver, even though I always enjoy seeing Minnie Driver. I was curious if that was her voice. But with any Emmy Rossum, I know she was like perfectly cast as uh, Christine. I mean, I think the other problem with Phantom in general is that, you know, the characters aren't really that fleshed out to begin with. It seems, you know, to me, when I've seen the musical and this movie, Christine, like, could be, you could easily make her fall in love with you. You just have to sing one song to her, and now she's in love <laughs> with you. I'll say this. Like, I, I, I love, like, a good musical movie, but I do think this probably has to rank in my bottom. And I... For criticism, for critiques I have against Rent, and even the ones I have for the one going in the movie we're about to do next, I just think this is the worst of them. <laughs> one of the worst of them. Well, if you if you look at your catalog of movie musicals, specifically the ones adapted from stage, there are so many ones that are better yes. than this, right? So 
you know, if you had to grade it on a curve, I, you know, my score would probably be lower. Um, but, you know, it's interesting. So we can now transition into our other pick for this category, uh, which is Into the Woods. And, you know, if the Phantom of the Opera was too literal of an adaptation, my beef with Into the Woods is that it strays away too much from the source material, especially at the end. And in principle, that's not a problem. But basically, the reason why that happens is my issue. It basically is a watered down version. And we'll get into that. But, you know, Into the Woods, um, you know, that movie kind of has a flipped divide where it's fresh with critics and rotten with audiences, which I did not expect. So 71% of critics approved, 49% of audiences approved, and the consensus for Into the Woods. On the whole, this Disney adaptation of the Sondheim classic sits comfortably at the corner of Hollywood and Broadway, even if it darkens to its detriment in the final act. Now, I don't know if it means literal darken as in dips in quality, but yeah, the stage version of Inch the Woods gets very dark in the second act. And when I saw that this was being adapted by Disney, I knew that they were not going to go that dark hmm. because they want to appeal to maybe the whole family. I've got a sense that you've seen Into the Woods or you're familiar yes. with this, the original stage version. I'm a big fan of it. I really enjoy Into the Woods, and I recommend anyone to watch the recording of the original cast, which is on YouTube, because then you really get a sense of why. With it's Bernadette so great. Peters, the lovely Bernadette With Peters. With Bernadette Peters as the oh, she is the best. Uh, but uh, you watch that, and you know, to me, it is like just such such a well thought out and well executed concept that it takes advantage of every avenue that you know the the idea of clashing fairy tale stories has and it's it's very smart and very relevant for it's got like universal themes it's just i can go on and on about how much i'm a big fan of into the woods and that's why i have such a beef with how bad the movie is i mean the the second act is so butchered in the movie that it almost makes no sense and to people who hadn't seen the stage version they were like totally confused why things were happening and i just think if you're not going to adapt something and keep to the themes why adapt it at all i'm i'm kind of shocked uh like disney wanted this to be like an oscar uh like contender and also i meryl streep got nominated and i remember rolling my eyes i remember rolling my eyes and, and of course i will defend meryl streep giving some of the best performances of like movie tell uh film history but this one she this was like her this. 19th nomination or 20th nomination she was she, she wasn't bad but it was just like oh, this i think this movie focused on the fairy tale aspect rather than the humanizing them aspect i expected more from meryl streep in this role honestly i thought she what i, I thought it was a good casting but just knowing how talented she is and how captivating the role of the witch is i mean that basically that character is at the heart of the show and the themes it all wraps up nicely with a neat little bow does it though? uh it ended it, it seems it ended i remember going like wait a minute what did i, I had to rewind a couple minutes just to make sure like i thought i yeah. took a like a nap for a second like it it it, uh, it ended abruptly right and that's another problem too they rushed the second act in addition to like taming it down, not killing off so many characters or really any characters. Um, and, you know, they also uh, just straight up cut out characters. Like there is a narrator character in the show. And in this version, it's just the baker telling the yeah. story right after it happens, it seems. And that's, you know, James Gordon. There's, you know, there's also um, an old man who is the father of the baker who's also completely missing from this and by the way the narrator and the old man are typically played by the same actor in the stage version so you know that was definitely a choice they made but i'm not sure why yeah you know, they didn't think they had to have an actual narrator I, i'm not really sure it's just um you know it, it the whole thing was a big disappointment to me i got i was somewhat excited because i thought all the other casting was great love emily blunt i'm glad they gave her this role um you know anna kendrick was I think a smart choice for Cinderella? Uh, you know, James Gordon though. 
I think, really, I you know he's he's fine. I guess I know he has his detractors. I know, I'm like I don't want to get into like a off tangent. I look. I know he does a lot, and I know he kind of went fame. Uh, fame kind of went uh, got to his head a little bit, but I never like full on get the hate of James Corden. I'm like he is like. He apologized for like being an asshole and said, I let fame get to my head. And I don't know. It's just, and this is before everyone, like, this is his like first US role, but I, I never fully got the, get the hate that he gets. Does he star in shitty movies? Yes. Does he, does he, like, like most of them? But I don't, like, I, there, I never had a problem with his like late night talk show. I actually do think there are great clips that i still watch i don't know it, i yeah it's fine but you know it's funny because he of his many bad films he's also in cats yeah i uh another entry you showed me that and, fucking you know, movie uh and i i had we yeah. had to turn it off because i'm like this isn't even f- this is a nightmare <laughs> yeah and uh you know that's probably the ultimate bad movie adaptation of a yeah. musical and not to get too much into that i feel like it has to be said because you know that's it was so recent and it's such an abomination, but uh, it's funny because he's probably the worst part of that movie, <laughs> which is really saying something. Oh God, this poor guy. But to get to get yeah. back to uh, Into the Woods, I think that you know visually it looks it looked really good and everything. It's just uh, it was predictable again, but this time for what I had feared it would be. And, uh, you know, I think Sondheim was also involved in this. It's it's like it, that, that was kind of weird to me. I guess he kind of had to accept that this would not be the same the same as you would do on stage. I can fully understand why theater major like people that love this play like yourselves and friends that we know would absolutely hate this movie. But I think for someone like me who I I think the first time I saw it, when, oh, uh really uh, saw it for the first time was in college and I saw like a bad play version of it. So I, my, my whole sense of it is kind of warped and I know the, the, some of the songs and stuff, but it's, I just, I just think it suffered from like it, it too. I didn't care about the characters. I didn't care. Like the story was too long. It's just, but it's still fine. It's still kind of fine in the stage. In the stage version, the character, and I guess this is more of responsibility of the actors, but in the stage version, you love the characters. There's so many of them, but they're all so great, and you, there's such high stakes. And actually, at the end, there is like a really satisfying end to the show, the finale. All the characters kind of come back, including all the dead ones, kind of as ghosts, and they sing basically all the themes again of the show, and it all comes really full circle. And like you said, in this version, it just kind of zooms out and it ends very much in an unsatisfying way. I have a newfound respect for like the director who gets it right. Uh, like uh, tick, tick, boom, like, uh, like off Broadway kind of play done and uh, filmed so spectacularly like uh, Manuel, uh, Lynn Manuel's vision was really kind of poured out on stage, but also uh I I now think like it's I don't know if in the woods could do it even at its most uh, pop uh, at its most at the height of its popularity. But what Wicked is doing is splitting in two, and I think that's probably the best decision for a movie uh, for a musical of that caliber. Yeah, yeah, I because that one you know, it's fine. I actually just saw Wicked for the first time on stage uh, like a few months ago, and it's it's phenomenal it's great it's one of those things where like oh i i understand why people love this there's like a moment at the end of the first act in you know, defying gravity that's like the moment that this show stole the heart that's gonna be the end of the movie the first movie right right and that 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 is smart i suppose and um you know i'm interested to see that one's a long time come we all knew they'd eventually make a wicked film so we'll, we'll see how but they got out. a great director too i thought i and 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 I think this movie kind of got messed up by one of the COVID variants, but in the Heights, I never, I never really, I've heard of it, but I didn't really know anything about it. I, no, I, none of the music. Same, I knew very little. Blew my mind. 
blew my mind. I had such a fun time with it. And, and yeah, no, I like, well, it, seems, it just has, I found a newfound respect for the director that gets it right. Yeah, exactly. It seems like in Tick, Tick, Boom or in, in the Heights, there really is the sense of, um, you really get a sense that things are kept, things are filmed dynamically and there's like a vision for each song, right? Like they yes. really take each song, like it's its own episode of this musical and it has its own identity and you have to be up for the task when you when you adapt a, a musical into film you know it's funny too i'm thinking now also how there's the opposite way where a film gets added um adapted into a stage version and i rarely find those to be good like i saw the mean girls musical and was very underwhelmed by that I saw, you know, it was a weird one. The Sunset Boulevard musical, which was done by Andrew Lloyd Webber. And that was kind of like a weird one to do. It was, you know, Glenn Close was great in that. But, you know, whether you're going one way or the other, these are two different mediums for a reason. And some stories are better told one way or the other. And it's very rare that you are able to find a story that translates well both ways. Maybe The Lion King is the best example of, a, a, mus- a movie that was added um, adapted into a musical well yeah no like I, I'm trying to wasn't there like a Rocky musical too or a Rocky yeah yeah uh, Pretty Woman I remember ads for that I think um, some people like the Beetlejuice musical that was supposed to be a good one but again it's like hit and miss there's a Shrek musical like why uh, I think it depends on the actor because I know like the Aladdin musical uh like it, it, it's kind of being sold on that actor who plays the genie. I don't know if he's the genie anymore, but he was like, I, I remember seeing him in Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. I can't remember his name oh, right Titus? now. Oh, Titus? He was kind of, no, no, not, Titus was uh, Sebastian, I believe. Yes. In in That's the it. Little Mermaid musical. But I think you're kind of, uh, it was Titus's like rival in Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. He like, uh, he was the draw because of his charisma on stage. But I'm like, I don't, if I want to, I remember seeing Young Frankenstein the musical, and it was fun, but I can't remember any th- songs or anything about it. Spamalot, Spamalot. actually kind of succeeded. Spamalot succeeded. Uh, well, that had a great and cast. I, think they probably I mean, you know, had a great cast. Tim Curry, David uh, Hyde Pierce. You know, I mean, like yeah, Hank Azaria. That's yeah. an amazing cast. I saw it at the height, and it, it that's like it engages the fans. But yeah, no, it's just it's amazing. I think we've been alive long enough to see when they get it. We know when they get it right. We know when they get it wrong. And we know when it's kind of, eh. Well, and I, I think, feel like for me, Into the Woods is like, eh. I think the key to, the, now that I think about when it's a successful translation or an unsuccessful one, is understanding that you're not just making the same thing again, but on a different platform. You're really taking this, the essence of that, but you really have to make it its own thing. Right, it has to yes. have its own identity, uh, like apart from the source material. And so, like when you make a movie um, of a of a musical, literally, or if you know you do the other way around, and you just and you kind of feel like you're too stuck to that original material, it bogs the rest of it down, and uh, the you know the results speak for themselves. So, I mean, for Into the Woods, I would probably give that one like a thirty percent. Uh, just really? yeah, I, I'd like probably a bit biased because I'm such a fan of the stage musical, but uh, yeah, that's that's where I would land on that one. See, I give it a solid fifty-two percent, but that does like I, to go back to our very first episode. It's like a good fifty-two. It's like I'm not like trying to be mean. It just doesn't like I really don't have a desire. I remember watching it the first time when it came out, going like I don't really have a desire. To watch this again, unless I have a podcast dedicated to movies, well, I'll have to watch it again. Uh, but I really don't can't see myself like gung ho to watch this again. I'm telling you, man, watch the film version of the original stage production. With the original you showed cast. it to me. I did. Well, you showed it. Yeah, that's everyone. It to me when we were, that, that's everyone. That's else. how I know. Like, yeah, no, it's a great. It's like that's if you really want to understand Into the Woods, like that Bernadette Peters knocks it out of the park. Like it's phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. I, I, or you know what too, like Hamilton. They just recorded the stage version. So, like, 
you know, there's no reason really like for a fan to into the woods to say, well, like just make into a movie so people can access it from home. Yeah. Like just record the stage version and put that on a streaming service. That you might as well. Hamilton do that. would also Hamilton would also make a terrible movie. Like it work. film wise, yeah. I mean, like it, it goes it, the time the timelines go so fast that it, it's a different kind. And I'm not. It's a great musical, but I'm just saying, like as a movie, it, it's ADD. It would be ADD. It might like, not make any sense, but I mean, I don't want to ever say you can never do something, but it would be a challenge. Prove me wrong. Someone out there. I mean, <laughs> it's bound to happen. I'm right. It's bound to happen eventually because you know these studios want to make money and people would pay, but. You know, it it would definitely be uh be harder than the average adaptation. Okay, so you know, we've talked about one kind of adaptation, the uh film musical adaptation. Uh so now we're gonna go into a different kind of adaptation that typically is divided between critics and audiences, and that is the video game adaptation into film. And you know, again, we've talked about one example, Sonic the Hedgehog, that was like one episode we did previously but there's lots of movies that fall into this category and uh so the two that we're going to talk about for this episode uh warcraft and mortal Kombat. now you know the reason why i kind of chose warcraft for this is because i read that at the time i don't know if this still holds it was the highest grossing video game adaptation uh that was made i don't know if anything would have surpassed that in the six years since that movie was released but I find that to be surprising because no one really talks about this movie anymore. It kind of just came and went, even though it was left open for a sequel. But uh, let me get into the stats real quick before I get carried away, which I tend to do. Uh, Warcraft has a rotten score with critics, 29%, a fresh score with audiences, 76%, and the critics' consensus. Warcraft has visual thrills to spare, but they and director Jones's distinctive gifts are wasted on a sluggish and derivative adaptation of a best-selling game with little evident cinematic value. So kind of what we were saying about you know, the, uh, the musical adaptations, you know, like what's the justification for making this into a film besides for making money, really? And, um, you know, I'm not sure. Watching this, it kind of felt like watching the cutscenes from a video game. Yeah, I, I like. I think uh, a little fun fact to add to your uh, box office thing. I don't think this movie did that well here, but they loved it over in China enough to think that it could get a sequel. Uh, so, like, but it was they written. Loved it. It was written and filmed. Open like it ends openly for a sequel, as if this is the beginning of a franchise that has yet to come to fruition. I I'm not a Warcraft guy. I remember one of my roommates played it moderately like he not like like oh my god you're addicted to the stream get off it but it was like okay we're you know we're hanging out watching king of the hill sophomore year and he he'd be playing warcraft and i i guess duncan jones who this would be his third film he did uh, the great moon the pretty good action movie source code and they're like okay he can direct uh, a studio movie let's give it he loves warcraft we want to make this movie i guess how do you do it like there's a like give it to a hundred different people you'll get a hundred different movie scripts like where do you go with it like do you make it like lord of the rings he kind of focused on two tribes um i would say a pretty good attempt i i i know why it falls flat because there is something missing but i would say like it is engaging, and I actually started to remember the character names when, I, like, you know, when they first lay it on you. You're like, oh my god, I can't. Can someone be called Henry in this? Yeah, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I had a hard time remembering the names and, and getting involved initially. It just because like they throw you right into it. I mean, like this. They really do. The sequence before the you know, opening title, it's as if yeah, you know, there was this. It almost felt like watching a sequel to a movie that doesn't exist yet because I felt like I was missing something and I was thinking, you know, is this really made with the idea that you should know at least something about the video game going into this, something about the lore and the world of Warcraft? I mean, I know that it's one of those open-ended games. There's not like one particular storyline, but it just seemed like there was a lore here 
that I was almost unprepared to get into because it just it doesn't they don't establish anything. You're just right into it from the get go. Yeah. I it hit me towards the end what this movie I think was missing and and I'm kind of I don't know if people can agree with me. They can yell at me, but I think this movie came out in 2016, 2017. And I think we were at this movie would have done well when Warcraft was like really popular, like White Ren, that South Park episode came out, which was like I was gonna 2009. Say, it seemed a little late. This, it seems a little movie. late, but if they wanted to do one in 2016, 2017, it kind of had to be postmodern in the sense of like Jumanji or like maybe the plot could have been kids playing World of Warcraft instead of like, like thrown into it. Make it like Free Guy, right? Where exactly, they, like, they, it had to be something like that. They're in a video game. I just saw a trailer for that new Dungeons and Dragons movie, and I'm like, I, I could see this doing well. I could see this being a fun, action adventure type movie, and I bet that this is just like you know, I, I can be proven wrong. I bet it's kids playing World of Warcraft, or no, I bet it's kids playing Dungeons and Dragons. But I think this movie kind of, this movie would have been really popular between like. 2010 to 1995 just because like oh the lore of fantasy but it, i think the fact when it was made now it kind of had it to be you know we, we're not looking for the same st- we've seen this story before we know how it ends we kind of know who the bad guy is we know it's not that it, it's not necessarily a bad thing but it doesn't offer anything new and i think if it came out this would have been before jumanji it would have been like the first of that kind of movie it would have actually had something to say about gaming or anything else yeah right it just seemed like it was too literal again yes. where yeah there was no um like like the story again it's like a lot of familiar plot elements like there's a guy who portrays the good guys right there's there's a lot of those kind of story elements there's a that spell you, that's corrupting you could see it all like from a mile ben away foster yeah also, I, I was thinking about this is 2016. This is sort of at the height of Game of Thrones popularity, just because yeah, I would see these banners in the, in this movie, and it was reminding me of that. And so I think like fantasy at this time was you know revitalized. I think the Hobbit movies had just come out, and so um, you know this is kind of like this genre is is seeing a resurgence at this time, and this is like a lesser version of what else was popular at the time. Oh yeah, they were striking while the iron is hot. It's uh, but there was um, nothing unique to stand out about it except for the fact that it's based on, you know, a video game, right? And I'm trying to think of the struggle here because it does have, like I said, a positive score from audiences, and I suspect that one this might have been way more impressive to see in a movie theater. I remember seeing trailers for this in a movie theater and thinking like, wow, that looks pretty cool i guess like on a big screen even though i didn't go to see it in the theaters and uh i guess if you're a fan if you're a fan of the the video game and you're seeing some of these types of like characters and some you know some of these different like uh types of like races you can play uh you know brought brought to this um you know brought to a film brought to the big screen i guess that could be something of a payoff I understand keeping it focused on two tribes, but I can imagine the struggle that Duncan Jones had to, who's David Bowie's son, by the way, if you didn't know. Uh, oh, good to know. But he, uh, can you imagine David Bowie sitting down and going like, I'm going to watch Warcraft. Uh, like, uh, it's, I, you, it's like the, the pressure you have to like appeal to, fit, like, okay, I have to have all the races at one point. You know, like oh, it's like oh, like it, it yeah, raids are really popular. I have to include that, but it's that's not really part of my story. Or maybe I can just include like you kind of have to add the things that make things Warcraft while telling your own story. I'm kind of curious how fans consider this because I don't really see people talking about Warcraft anymore. But uh, I, I mean, people don't really play the game anymore, do they? I don't know. All, I think Fortnite maybe took its place. I don't know. I it's. Yeah. I don't want to say I don't play video games anymore, but I don't play those kind of video games. I played. I tried to play Warcraft, and I only lasted twelve hours. And and I said I can't do this. <laughs> well, you know, you mentioned the South Park episode, which had to be brought up. That's probably the best adaptation that Warcraft could ever hope for. Is yeah. you know, the 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 uh, you know this could be the end of the world of Warcraft. 
Like that's yeah, they did it right. They missed they mixed South Park's reality with the World of Warcraft reality. Like that's that's how they should have done the movie in a way of like they're making you can make you can have kids sitting at their computer. Yeah, yeah like free guy in a way. I mean, I can imagine too like of all the people who ever played Warcraft, I'm sure they've encountered maybe like their own kinds of storylines that they've engaged in and there's all there's all potential there because it is yeah. a world that was created with with a lore and so you could come up with something but you're right you have to focus it in one way i mean maybe they should have made this a tv show because there are so many ideas and so many elements that it would be difficult to get it all down in just one story i agree with you like 95 percent, and i guess the only five percent that's holding me back is there's no way like i actually was impressed i could care about uh orcs like i'm not and that's a credit to their uh special effects department like oh i actually like i they're doing motion capture i'm actually involved in the orcs's story i it was a shame when the the orc wife died uh but i don't think you can that would be a very high budgeted uh tv show maybe at, even in 2016 I guess so. You're right. I mean, but then again, we're getting Lord of the Rings now, so yeah, like, right. What, the like, most expensive one ever. Like, well, exactly. you know, I guess uh, it depends. Like, Lord of the Rings, uh, that kind of is a is a safer franchise to to bet billions of dollars on than say Warcraft would be. Not to say, you know, it's just um, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. That that you're right. That would be a tough one to do unless you did it like all animated. Like you wouldn't do it at the same scale. I'm not that sure. that could work. But you know, at just I want to make sure in this conversation we we just tackle like what would make a good video game adaptation because you know I think they're far and few between and a lot of times you know, it, it is usually like the the critics not liking it and the audience is liking it yeah and so it it almost to me seems like especially when video games first started to be adapted into film some critics were just like, like against the idea of that kind of adaptation to in the first place and like you know, like I mentioned before, I don't think you should ever say you can't do anything. Like you can make a good adaptation of anything, but it just seems like this is a genre that has a harder time achieving that, at least critically. I would say, and I would, I you probably did the same with each one of these movies. I kind of thought more about like what Hollywood and what the studio was thinking at the time, why they made it, um, like why is this trend successful and unsuccessful. And I guess with video game adaptations, it's funny. We reviewed Sonic on our podcast, and I think that is now the highest. It, it does well in animation. I th I'm sure the Mario movie is going to do very well. But I always think with video game adaptations, live action, there's something missing. Because I think they're like whether it's Tomb Raider, the Uncharted movie, uh, there's just something... You're trying to appeal to both the fans while also appealing to the wider base, and you kind of lose both of them at the same time and, and settle for safe mediocrity. Yeah, yeah, no, that that's a good point. I mean, you know, Resident Evil is another one that comes to mind. I mean, uh, that there's been so many of those movies. That Eighteen have been made. movies and counting. <laughs> no, there's and like that, a TV show on Netflix, I think, right now, right? Yeah, and they have like yeah, it has a cult following. Yeah, and again, like that was one where the, in the at least the first movie, the, the audiences really liked it. Critics not so much. And yeah, you know, a lot of video games, especially like the adventure ones, they have stories, right? And obviously, you don't want to just take those stories and make it literally into a movie. But it seems like they would lend themselves to storytelling into a movie format. Uh, but you know, you have to avoid the trap too of trying to. I'm making it seem like you're just watching someone else play a video game for you, right? You don't want that either because the big appeal, obviously, in video games is that you're in the story. You, I don't know if you need to capture that same element in a film version of it, but you know, sometimes in some of these video game adaptations, they try to introduce a mechanic of the video game in the film. So like in the Doom movie, I think there's like that point of view sequence. Oh yeah. With like the guy shooting. It's like, I'll get it just like the game, but like, I'm not the one in control here. So it's not exactly the same, but you know, with, with Warcraft, it was fine. I don't think I'll really rewatch it. And it's a shame because to say a movie is fine when clearly there was a lot of production value, a lot of work was put into it. It just kind of amount to like, 
all right, I don't really feel strongly about it one way or the well, other. I think, and I don't know if this is um, because I'm getting older. I'm sure it's it. There's a mix of that doing this podcast. I kind of view movies differently, but I also still like love going to the theater. I love like when a good movie hits me, it hits me. But you do have to like. There's been fine movies throughout the span of cinema. Even like when they were making monster movies back in the way back when, only like Bride of Frankenstein and Dracula still stand the test of time. There are still like fine movies. And yeah, no, it's like I'm, you know, I'm talking about like big box office budget movies that rhyme with Arvel and R Wars. Like they're fine movies. Like, I mean, like some of them rise above the rank. And I recommended you one that is my everything everywhere all at once. That's a my favorite movie of the year, and it's why I love film. But the, yeah, no, there are movies that are just fine, and I kind of have to accept that. But at least like I could see Duncan Jones like really trying. Like he does love Warcraft. I could see him really trying to make this work, and I kind of had to give him credit because I wouldn't know how to make a Warcraft movie. Like I, I like. How do you make a war? Like, what do you do? Like, you can go a thousand different ways to tell this story. And I'm co- I'm looking, you know, I'm proposing my idea as, like, not only a backseat driver. I'm in the back of, like, the school bus going, like, hey, maybe you should make a left. Like, this guy is driving. So I do give credit where credit's filmed. But, yeah, you're right. I don't think it's something I, I – I, I'm surprised this is my first time seeing it now. I kind of was, like, when you recommended Same. it, I was like, oh, I finally get to see this movie. There you go. You just need a reason. You just need to host a podcast to watch this kind of movie. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that there's maybe like two sort of uh, ways you can go initially when you make one of these kind of adaptations. And that's either like very like earnest, sincere, like genuine or a bit more subversive, a little more self-aware. And I think that's where the next movie we're going to talk about kind of falls into, which is the recent 2021 adaptation of Mortal Kombat. So Mortal Kombat, uh, you know, same kind of divide, rotten with critics, positive, fresh with audiences, uh, not as negative, though, with critics, 54% approved, 86% of audiences approved. So it is higher in, in, with both camps. And uh, the critics' consensus, largely for fans of the source material, but far from fatally flawed or fatality flawed. They try to get clever <laughs> there. Mortal you know, very funny. Mortal Kombat revives the franchise in appropriately violent fashion. There was also an audience consensus because they've been doing that for the last couple of years. The acting is spotty and the storytelling is a bit rushed, but if you can turn your brain off for a while, Mortal Kombat delivers plenty of graphic violence and intense fight scenes for fans of the video game series. So it seems like both uh, consensuses are saying that good if you're a fan of the the video game series you know i did enjoy this movie to a degree even though i'm not really i never really played the mortal kombat uh video games maybe like once or twice uh with someone who who owned one but yeah i maybe because my bar was so low that i actually did kind of like i was pleasantly i don't want to say surprised but i i did kind of like it a bit and i don't know like what what do you think i'm like a little worried uh if you're gonna give me a hard time about that no, I, well i like i kept asking myself i'm like you know maybe about like uh 60 into this movie i'm like they're not gonna get to this tournament are they like they're like they're, they're talking about this tournament they're really hyping it up but i'm like they're not they, i'm like looking at the time left i'm like they're not gonna get to this tournament i i think this movie would have been better if it had better choreography fight scenes instead of I, like i'm okay with like introducing characters that i i know uh mortal Kombat has introduced a whole lore and characters that i i may not know but i'm okay with being introduced but i i i still have to like look at like the 1995 fight with johnny cage and scorpion going like that's kind of like what that that's fight still sticks out as my, in my mind as awesome even though it's it's its own entity at this point i just boy that one is super that one is super campy no i'm right? talking about and... that specific fight scene though that's something that even that the fans wanted 
like despite the the crappiness or campiness or however they feel about the movie it's not like one fight scene that you get you get him going you get the fatality you get the get over here you get like you get johnny cage which this movie needed the 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 comic relief was not fun enough for me okay well yeah i i can see that i feel like maybe because it was so ridiculous. I feel like that is where the comedy came from in this movie. Not so much like, you know, making quips or, or moments of, um, you know, moments of self-awareness. More so, it was just so ridiculous that I found myself thinking, like, this is just like a crazy ride. Let me just go along for it. And I kind of, I guess in that sense, like, I, I was a, not detached, but I knew, like, okay, I can... I can lightly enjoy this and enjoy like the crazy fight sequences, the over the top effects, even if the story doesn't get to what it's building up towards. <laughs> I did find myself kind of getting a kick out of it basically. And, you know, again, I, I think that's interesting just from the fact that I don't really know much about the lore. And if someone who is like a big fan of mortal Kombat could speak to like, you know, if they got it right or not, or, you know what if what the what's appealing about the video game if that translated into this in this movie i'm not sure i thought that stuff with like sub zero and scorpion was like excellent yeah i mean i it seems like maybe it did translate well cuz 84% is you know pretty good score for for the audiences i guess like i like and i never like it's like what i think could make the movie better i just i I have to agree with you. I was like along for the ride at the end fight scene where like it, it, also my problem with like the end fight scene, I'm like, can we just focus on one fight? We're jumping too much here. Like I totally missed how Gorgon or Gorgo or uh, the forearm dude kind of popped out of like the shed. I totally, I feel like I blinked and I missed it. The, the explanation, but like, okay, you get all these cool, you get the guy with the hammer, you get, cabal or um and it's like okay they're henchmen you got the girl with the mouth it's just like let's rally let, rally the troops oh katana is that the one with the crazy mouth i think so i just remember like in the in one of the more recent games at least the one that um i'd seen like a bunch of our friends play that like when that character won a fight she like she would get right up in the camera oh, yeah. and, like you know you'd see her like scary like gross mouth like right up in the on the screen there <laughs> um <laughs> That like stood out to me, but I imagine they also took like a. It's like okay, let's not do anything that the 1995 movie did, which is a, a very uh, not a bad way to like reintroduce the franchise to the world. And I don't have a problem with them doing the. Uh, it's like, what do you do? Once it's the same thing with Warcraft. It's like okay, JJ, you have like we're commissioning you to write the Mortal Kombat movie. What road do you take? It. What characters do you do? I'm happy they like hinted at Johnny Cage, although we haven't heard anything right. about a sequel. Um, yeah, who knows? It's tough though, because like it seems like there are a lot of movies out there that have set up I, like a, you know a window for a sequel, but yeah, we're we're still left hanging about it. I think yeah, maybe it could happen. I'm not sure, but um, yeah, it seemed like to me too they were willing to kill off characters. So I was like, oh dang, like you know it. it, it you're introduced to some of these guys that I did recognize from the video game franchise and they're killing them off. And it's like, Oh, okay. Like they're not fooling around here. So it did add actually a little bit more suspense. Like, okay, I I really don't know who's going to survive this at the end. Yeah, no, I just wanted, I wish there was just a little bit better, uh, like fight choreography, like something out of like the movie, the raid, or even like John wick or something like that. I just like, there, there's a reason why those movies stick out and it's because of their action sequences. And I, I, I just like, I'm not asking, I don't know. I, I, they had a, they had a uphill challenge for them and I give them credit for making something that I, I don't hate this movie. I just was, I, I, I just saw I'm like, all right. Like I, I, I said to myself, I, I, I don't it. know I, Mortal Kombat like I used to. I, I, I liked it. I think I would probably give this like, I don't know, maybe like a 70, like for what it is. Like, yeah, I, I think that it set up for what it wanted to do. And it was, um, yeah, it, I, I, there's a certain balance there between 
being ridiculous but not too ridiculous to to totally push me away where right? I think it was writing a fine line there and it for the most part was able to do that and it it was fun I thought it was like a fun silly movie that like the audiences you turn yeah, your brain off it's a good off, Friday night and you, you just it's go good Friday on. night watch like I, I I would give it somewhere in the it 60s kind of, it, like yeah it stood out for me a little bit more than say like Warcraft did but again like yeah, these are two movies or uh, two these are two video games I guess Mortal Kombat does have in the later in the later games they do have more of a storyline. But I know like the original arcade game, I don't know if that had a storyline or if it was just like you know just two characters. It's all centered around a tournament. Uh, Right, right, right. But I'm not sure how much how much more story there was to it than that. I just know that in the '90s, like you know, the game Mortal Kombat had a lot of press for how violent it was. Uh, Yeah, that was it was shocking to people at the time. And so that probably propelled it. That probably made it more successful. One point I just want to make is like, I am kind of curious of the first like video game, live action video game. Cause I know they're, they do Castlevania and they're probably going to do like legend of Zelda on Netflix or something. But, uh, uh, they're doing HBO's doing the last of us. And that is a survival horror like one of considered one of the best games of the past decade it's amazing powerful video game storytelling it's kind of very cinematic a lot would say and i'm kind of curious how like in television form how people are going to react to that like how people non-fans of the game like i'm curious if my parents when they watch this will they a like it or will they go like how will they react when i go you know that's a video game right like that's based on a video game so i think maybe shifting some when it comes to live action versions shifting into uh television i this mortal kombat would have been a good tv show too i have no problem with that either i was kind of i kind of got a sense of that too because if you say maybe like the first like you know hour of the movie could be like a pilot because you're introduced to all these characters and you're introduced to this like new world that they're they're exploring yeah you're right it could have been uh, yeah, I think all the actors had like pretty good chemistry with each other for as like, you know, over the top as they were playing it. You're right. That that would be interesting to play it that way. I think. Yeah, I think the problem with so many of the uh, failed video game adaptations is that they try to force the format again, like they're, they're trying to force the story into film to almost too literally. I think they it's like there's a disconnect between. Oh, this is a popular video game, but let's just you know turn it into a generic movie. Yeah, like, you know that it, it seems like there's not enough, um, yeah, you know, not enough understanding of the video game market of you know because it is a huge market, and it, now you're seeing like the the video game world has like evolved so much over the last like you know t- ten years or so, and it seems like people in more traditional media. Uh, who run like those like you know traditional storytelling they struggle to keep up and and you know keep, they sometimes like don't really know how to um, translate that mm-hmm. material and, and understand the appeal in the first place i think it has it, i'm not saying it's going to take the place of like superhero films i don't i would be shocked if it did but i think it hasn't clicked yet for uh for studio and storytellers on how to really make that one that stands out but when it does, I think it's going to create like a snow. Like people are going to look to that film and go, "That's that, that, what did that film do that we have to get in our video yeah. game adaptation?" It's and there. It just has It hasn't happened yet. Right. It's like one of the last codes left to crack in in Hollywood is you know how, yeah. how are we gonna how are we gonna figure this out? And it would and be it unique. might be in the TV. It might be in the TV. Like we, we might shall be see. better suited because like yeah. you know, each of these video games have entire worlds worth exploring that you you might need. Uh, a longer form format to uh, to do that successfully, and you get to go to know the characters. Like you get to actually, you're not sacrifice. You're not you're not, you're not sacrificing. You're not putting the story first, which a lot of these movie yep. adaptations do. I think also like there's there some some video games don't need to be adapted into film. I mean, like look at the Final Fantasy series. I mean, those basically are like movies that you get to play in, right? They are. Well, they tried. Well, <laughs> they tried know, I, way back in the day. They made a Final Fantasy Spirits Within, considered one of the worst movies. There's also like a conceit. There's a conceit. I feel like in in 
something I was under the impression with when I was such younger, as if like a movie is the end all be all format that like you know whether you know book, TV, musical, um, video game, whatever, like to be adapted into a movie is like the ultimate goal for for any media, and like that's not really true. Like some things don't really make sense to make into a movie, um, or yeah, some things are better off in their original uh, medium. So, yeah, I think that's like another thing. Like, oh well, we have to make it into a movie, right? Like, isn't that what you want? Like, no, not everyone really wants that or, or needs that. So, I think that's it's a mis it's a it's a conceit that I think needs to be stepped away from. Like, I'm so happy they never made Legend of Zelda into a movie. I know I don't know if that's blasphemous to say, but we all know. Like, they made they made a good April Fool's trailer, but it it looks good as a trailer. It would not be a good movie. No, I, it's already so cinematic as it is, you know, Breath of the Wild, like at that, yeah, I, I love it as that format. I don't, I don't need it as something else. Uh, two video games I would love to see made into uh, a film. Um, people would, you know, Pong, right? Like, let's make them, let's see how that would turn into a movie. And <laughs> The Sims, right? I want a whole, I want 90 minutes of just characters talking in the Sim language, like Badurga Hurga, Furga Furga Durga with subtitles. Give me that. And it's like the original Sims animation. The closest you'll get to a Sim, Sims movie is the Truman Show. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, I like that. All right. Well, Keith, you know, we have other video game or video game. We have other movie trends <laughs> to discuss. We have other movie trends to discuss. And, um, you know, we're almost, we're almost out of time. We're going to have to move on. We're going to have to save the rest for part two. Oh. Do we end so, on a cliffhanger? Well, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm hanging on the edge of this cliff here. Uh, uh, let's go with... over the edge. We're, JJ, we're... watch out behind you! Oh no! Stay tuned for the epic conclusion of the Divided Films franchise. <laughs>